so glad you could join us for the mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Uh, I'm reading from Colossians chapter 3 starting at verse 18 going through to chapter 4 verse 1. Uh, in my NIV version here it's titled Instructions for Christian Households. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, (laughs) obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Thank you, Neil. Um, So last week uh, we spoke about um, putting on a new life in Christ, so taking off the old and putting on the new. Uh, And that we do that not uh, to gain favor or acceptance from God, not to gain the love of Jesus for us, but because we are accepted, because he loves us, we take off the old that doesn't fit with being, as as we had the skit this morning, Ben, the image of the creator, and we put on the new uh, in the image of Jesus Christ. And so last week we began to speak about how that impacts not just the personal, but the interpersonal. And so Paul goes on now to start to talk about some specific relationships that should be impacted or or transformed by this new life in Christ. And so uh, as we've been going through each thing, we've been talking about Jesus is enough, new life in Jesus. And so this morning uh, we're talking about relationships in Jesus. In the ancient world, the, the, the structure of a household wasn't just a trivial thing. Uh, there was, uh, there's much ancient literature about how a household should be structured. And, and so uh, if, if, the, if the Christians, if these new group of people following Jesus didn't have anything to say in that space, then it, it would have been kind of a strange uh, thing. And so Paul uh, speaks into that space. Uh, in a Roman context, he speaks into a space where the, uh, the husband was the essentially the only legal entity. The husband, father, was essentially the only legal entity in the family. Husband was king. He was the only one that was counted in a census. He was the only one who could vote or, or give an opinion. He was the king. And so this is the context. If you think that we live in a patriarchal society now, in which we do to a large degree, this, this society in ancient Rome was a society that was so much more patriarchal than now. You didn't exist legally if you weren't a man. Uh, and so Paul writes into that context. And, and so we might see on the surface of the thing, we might th- think, well, isn't Paul just affirming the status quo? Isn't he just saying, well, husbands are the boss, women submit to them, uh, fathers are the boss, children submit to them, 
Uh, he even seems on, on the surface of a quick through, look through, we think, is the Bible affirming slavery here? And so on a quick read through, and if we withdraw it from its 2,000-year-old context and don't do any work, then, then that might be what it looks like. But I want to suggest that almost the entire opposite is true. We need to remember uh, Colossians 3.11 that we looked at last week in which uh, Paul says this. He says, here there is, here in Jesus, there is no Gentile or Jew. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. There is no barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. And so Paul, a few verses later, has essentially said that, that in Christ there's no barrier between ethnic groups. There's no barrier between what were the former religious groups. There's no barrier between slave or free. We are all in Christ and Christ is in all. In a very similar verse in Galatians 3.28, uh, Paul says a similar thing, but he also says there's no male or female. They were all one in Christ. And so whatever we understand this morning of what Paul has to say in this passage, it is not men are better than women. It is not that fathers are to lord it over their children. It is not that slavery is okay in the way that the world, in the way that we would see slavery and understand it. And so Paul says into the marriage relationship, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And so it's important here that, that we understand the Greek word for submit does not in any way suggest inferiority. It does not in any way suggest that, that because the woman is less than, then she must submit to her husband that is more than. In fact, the word submit uh, more uh, speaks of a cooperation with the husband. And so in some senses, this is not uh, starkly different to the status quo, but, but for us, we need to understand that Paul is, is, is turning the world upside down by even just directly addressing the wife. Because most of the ancient literature about household structures would have been about how a husband can make his wife submit and what to do if she's not. And so, so Paul's not saying, you know, wives run free and crazy, but he is saying to them, as humans, as entities in their own right to make the choice to cooperate with their husband. But he also says, as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. So this is suggesting that all that Paul has already said about life in Christ and him being the one that transforms us, about him being our Lord, that is true of the wife. And, and so her, her behavior towards other people in relationships, including her husband, is a subset of her submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it also suggests that if a, if a wife is to submit to a husband as he's fitting to the Lord, then there are perhaps forms of submission that women have been subjected to throughout history that are certainly not fitting in the Lord. It is not, for example, fitting in the Lord for a wife to submit to systematic abuse and disempowerment. That's, that's not fitting in the Lord. 
I could go on, but I promised I would be short. But Paul says to husbands, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. A far greater demand and command is given to the husband in the relationship. See, see, to the wife on some level, that's what was expected in the culture, though Paul frames it in the context of Jesus' lordship. But in that culture, for a husband to have any duty towards his wife was turning it upside down. It's a far greater demand. It's not an exercise of rights and nowhere in Scripture does it talk about uh, that a husband should enforce submission upon his wife. Nowhere in Scripture does it suggest that a husband, certainly not in the New Testament, should demand his rights from his wife. In fact, the word here used for love, the, the, what the husband is called to provide for his wife is the word agape. Agape love. This is that, that we may have heard of that Greek word before uh, if we've hung around churches a bit, but this is the word, the Greek word for love that speaks of self-giving that speaks of self-sacrificing, that speaks of an other focus. It's a, it's a love that provides for the needs of others. It's not uh, some of the other Greek words, phileo love, which is more of like a, a friendship kind of love. It's not eros love, which is an erotic, passionate love. I'm not saying those, of course, can't be in a marriage relationship, but, but the word, the kind of love a man is called to, to provide for his wife is, is agape love which is the love that Jesus loved us with. Elsewhere, Paul says it more plainly where he says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And it says, do not be harsh with them, or perhaps a better translation would be, do not be bitter and resentful with them. And so what this is suggesting is that nothing gives the husband a reason to provide anything but agape love. We might say, well, I loved her, but, but she didn't submit. So I got cranky. And Paul is saying, husbands, agape, love your wives. And don't get bitter or resentful or harsh for any reason. And I can't talk about this without confessing that, that I fall short of this constantly. I have this morning, I have even during this worship service, fallen short of providing agape love for my wife. And so what Paul is doing here, and we're going to spend less time on the other relationships, but what Paul is doing here in this husband-wife relationship is he's saying, yeah, God's way is not completely different on the surface to what's become the societal norms. But he's saying that that person who's in the position of of power in a relationship, their responsibility is not to assert rights. It's not to demand submission. It is to be the provider. In fact, the position of power in any relationship is one of responsibility. The husband has a responsibility to agape, love his wife and family. Paul goes on to speak of the the parent-child relationship and he says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. This is kind of an echo of of one of the Ten Commandments who says, honor your father and mother and, and it will go well with you. And so Paul is affirming, yes, children should obey their parents in everything. 
but like a a wife to a husband this this isn't ultimately that the, the parents are the end in themselves the parents aren't the end point here it, it's the lord who the child is seeking to please this is again something that comes under their life following christ they're pleasing the lord and one way of doing that is obeying the parents just as there's there's ways of that that throughout history sometimes husbands have and today of course have made sought to make their wives submit to that are not fitting in the lord there are also things that parents have sought obedience from their children in that are not fitting in pleasing the lord the lord is the final word and and in this roman culture the, the father had complete authority over the child even into adulthood until the father decided you're free uh, the, the the status of a child in a home was very much like that of a slave. And so Paul speaks to the father, and, and the word father is used here in this context because of the supreme authority of a father in that culture, but we could understand this as, as parents in general today. Do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. And so in this context of it being right for children to obey their parents for that being something that pleases the Lord, the parents have a responsibility. Not to use this right of obedience, but to take up the responsibility of care and nurture for their children. Once again, power equals not rights, but responsibility to love and care. And then finally, perhaps in this day and age, Paul speaks of a slave-master relationship. Removed from its context, this is perhaps some of the most troubling uh, portions of Scripture for us today. And certainly has been misused, saying, you know, slavery is okay, it's in the Bible. But we need only remember that Paul says a few verses earlier in Colossians 3.11, in Christ there's no slave or free. In 1 Corinthians 7.21, the same Paul, speaking, writing a similar message to slaves, and he's talking to people about you know staying faithful to God in the context you were in when you were called, but he says, Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. So Paul is encouraging that that, that freedom for slaves is a good thing, that that there is really in Christ no distinction between slave or free. But were Paul not to speak of slavery and how Christians should be faithful to the Lord in that context would be as if someone writing about faith in in, uh, the workplace today and not mentioning the workplace whatsoever. Slavery was so pervasive to the ancient world that, that just as marriage needs a Christian voice into, this, this context needed something spoken into it. And we've seen in history the trajectory of what's been written in the Scriptures has, has led many people of faith to be the champions of abolishing slavery. And we'll see that this very verse, far, passage far from endorsing it, is part of the foundation of uprooting it. And so Paul's words to slaves, and I'm not going to read them all because Neil read them so well, is essentially to call them to obedience to their masters. Again, not because the master is the end point, but because the Lord is the end point. He, he reminds them that those who act unjustly will be repaid for their wrongs. Verse 
it's a reminder of, of, of so many psalms where the psalmists say, well, why, God, do these bad people prosper? But the end of that psalm is, but then we think of eternity. And so Paul's encouraging slaves, don't just think about here and now. Think about eternity. Those who do wrong will be repaid. But he says, you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord. And so he encourages slaves to seek to glorify the Lord in the circumstances that they find themselves in. But, but what he says to masters, it's such a short thing, but it it's turns the world of slavery on its head. He says, masters, provide for your slaves what is right and fair. Just like the, the husband-wife relationship, what was written about slavery wasn't about providing what was right and fair. It was about how to get your slaves to work when they're lazy. What kind of harsh treatments could you provide so that a slave would do what you wanted them to do? A slave was a non-human. Anything was legal. You could kill them if you wanted to. There was no sense of justice for a slave. But, but Paul says, provide for them. If you're the master, you have a responsibility to provide for them what is right and fair. And then he says this. This is the, the, the sentence that destroys the notion of slavery as it existed. Because you also have a master in heaven. And so Paul says you have a responsibility to your slaves to provide justice and fairness and what they need for life as a human being. Because there is no slave or free. But he says remember that you have a master. Paul is saying that Jesus is the master of, is the model of what a slave master should look like. And what does Jesus do with slaves? He gives his life for them. He sets them free. Now for many believing people who came to faith and, and, and had slaves, uh, this necessarily doesn't look like, get out of my house, you're free now. Uh, I don't know where it comes from, but a lot of the Cape Moran crew have been saying this week, I hope you find your dad. Like, I don't know, maybe that's from a movie or something. But, but it's not that. It was actually, a, a, would have been taking on the responsibility to free them from their slavery, but keep them as part of your household and care for them and look after them as part of the family. We read of a person coming to faith and their whole household. That didn't just mean family in a biological sense. And so far from endorsing the model of slavery and abuse, Paul turns it on its head as responsibility. And so, so this is the, the message, and I'm going to finish with this, that Paul speaks of human relationships. And he says, in human relationships, regardless of the culture, and the culture and society has changed in terms of its expectations over 2,000 years, and much of that is good. But he says, in relationships, there are those who have a position of power and we should acknowledge that, but, but power does not equal rights. Whatever the relationship, whether you're a boss, whether you're a, a husband, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a police officer, whether you're the prime minister, the president, power does not equal rights. 
power should not equal using that position for privilege. It should equal responsibility. To be as Jesus to those others that you have that position of power over. So I'm going to pray. Carl's going to come and lead us in a final worship song. Um, We're going to do a few things at once, uh, just a faithfulness to our kids' church team. Um, So I'm going to pray. We're going to start to sing. Uh, If you've got children in kids' church this morning, I encourage you to um, not necessarily wait till the end of the song um, to to, um, start checking them out. Um, there's going to be opportunity for prayer if you if you want to receive uh, prayer this morning for any reason you can ask anyone uh, here that you feel comfortable but there'll be an opportunity to come forward for prayer at the end and also there'll be morning tea at the end of this uh, and I have to say don't leave in a hurry because we have some of our top level morning tea providers on this morning and we do have overflow from Circle of Sisters yesterday uh, and they have good morning tea too Um, So please stick around. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus and we thank you for this word that Paul wrote in Colossians about what it means to follow him. I pray that every part of our life, the personal and the interpersonal, would be transformed by our relationship with him. So I pray that our marriages or our singleness would be shaped by Jesus. I pray that our family interactions would be shaped by Jesus. I pray that our workplace interactions would be shaped by Jesus. I pray that in every sphere of life where we have any power, that we would see that as responsibility to be as Jesus to those in which we are in that relationship with. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.